Your move, creep. Mission luck, Bruiser. You both Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good-looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, Lord! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. So, we've got a great episode this week. I know last week's episode was kind of a little bit of a bummer. It's gonna happen. Not every film aged well. We change our opinions about movies all the time. And I was a little disappointed because I really liked scary movie growing up and i really wanted to like it and i didn't which is a shame but this week we've got a banger i know it's a banger and i can't wait to talk about it what movie are we talking about we're going to be talking about neil marshall's 2005 horror classic the descent the descent yep a movie that i have never seen we've done this a lot where I will watch a film and you have it, and we will go back and and you'll watch it for the first time. And I want to steer away from that. I want to watch films that you've seen that I never have. <laughs> but this why, is an exception. Why do you prefer movies that um, I've seen, but you haven't? Not prefer it, but I want to, you know, to... It seems like it's the pendulum is, is like swinging more on my side. Movies that I've seen and you haven't. And I'm like, I want to switch it up a little bit. I mm. want to hear what you have to say about a movie that I've never seen and kind of react to it. You know, just push okay. the, push the, sweat, the pendulum the other way, just to even okay. it out a bit. I think it's been that way lately, but sometimes I feel like it's mostly movies that I've seen that you've never seen. Really? Yeah. Maybe that was just the way it was in the beginning. Like Oh, it was with, Little Shop uh, of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Um, Velvet Goldmine. Vel- okay, Velvet Goldmine. Um, I had seen it, part of it. I can't really remember. Yeah. But... I mean, it was two, but you know, scary movie, Transformers, um, Children of Men. I had seen Transformers and Children of Men, though. Oh, you had? Okay, okay, never yeah. mind. Oh, you? I remember Transformers. I don't remember the Children of Men one. But um, this this is an exception, because I love this movie. And it's a great horror film. Great time for Halloween. Or it's a great film for Halloween. And oh, yeah. I'm really excited about it. Um, I first saw this film uh, in March of 2020. Uh, I remember oh. because I was on a plane to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> right when the pandemic was really kicking out. Um, I was going to Hawaii for a wedding uh, from a friend from college. She was getting married and she was my homegirl. And I was like, well, I got to right, I'm gonna go support. But, you know, it, the pandemic was really picking up and there were some anxieties about that because especially back then we didn't really know how big or how bad COVID was going to get. It, COVID seemed like it was going to wipe out half the planet or that was the kind of mm-hmm. growing anxiety. Okay. Um, it seemed like straight out of a movie. I mean, one, yeah. of the, one of the highest rented films during that period was Contagion, directed by Steven mm-hmm. Soderbergh. So there was a huge anxiety about it. There still is. But yeah. it was kind of like the it was where things really started to rocket up. So I was on a so that was happening. I was on a plane to Hawaii and I had downloaded a bunch of films and I had downloaded The Descent. I don't know why. I mean, I growing up I had seen the trailers for it, 
back in college, one of my roommates was watching in his room. And that was a period where I wasn't really embracing horror films. I was really scared. As a kid, I had terrible memories of horror films scaring me. Seed of Chucky trailer, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I've spoken about before. I had a lot of anxieties growing up with horror films. But the film that kind of got me out of it was The Conjuring by James Wan. And I started seeing horror films as kind of like a fun, it's a different type of fun. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's still fun. It's still scary, but it's fun. And I was like, you know, I'm going to give The Descent a chance. I've heard about this movie. I know people love it. I'll give it a shot. And it did not disappoint. And I saw this movie. I went to, I took a flight to Hawaii in the morning. I think I got at the airport like at six. My flight was like at eight. I also had a few drinks. Like I, I think I had two margaritas before I flew. So that kind of even, you know, put down my horror barrier shield or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was, it I was gave in you the... some liquid courage. Exactly. Liquid courage. So I was on a plane in the morning, drunk. Plane was full. Plane was packed. Right. Oh my and it was God, really? Yeah. <laughs> plane was packed. Jesus. <laughs> when I came back from Hawaii, that plane was God. It was fucking empty. Empty. There were like maybe 10 people in the entire thing. But going there, packed. So it was daylight. Full of people, and this movie terrified me. I was so anxious. I was sweating through my shirt, and I love that experience. I just, I wish I could have seen this in theaters. I really mm. do. Ooh! <laughs> it, was, it was phenomenal. I had such a great experience. Oh, and I was watching it on my phone, too. I didn't watch it. Yeah, like, like kind of the worst way to watch a movie is on a, on a packed plane in the middle of a pandemic on your phone. <laughs> exact horror film during daylight you were during- living in a horror film <laughs> yeah and even though i watched this again you talk to anybody that's probably the worst way to f- watch a film and this was my introduction my real introduction to this film and i loved it that's how you know you have an amazing fucking film that's how you know you have a phenomenal picture right mm-hmm. that you could watch it in a really shitty way and it still grabs a hold of you. And that was yeah. this film. I, I can't wait to revisit it. I've seen it twice since March uh, 2020. This is going to be my third time. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to hold up. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure. You know, I don't know. I, I know. My question is how much you're going to like it. I'm curious, too. I, I believe it's a like a movie about these girls or women that go spelunking. Yes. Is when you like deep cave diving and or something right yes absolutely that's the basic premise and then they find something in the cave that yeah. starts killing them or, or something yeah well uh, they you know starts off with some some random noises some random oh, things yeah. are happening and then it eventually gets into the creatures from below yeah but i think with all like really good horror movies it's about something else which is what i'm excited to to find out like what what story can you tell with with these monsters in these caves why are all of the characters women like what's the the story there i I feel like it's intentional that that it's a movie about a group of of women in in a cave as opposed to like a mixed group you know a mixed gendered group i'm Um, so happy you said that man okay rick Um, so let's talk about the year it came out, 2005. Yes. 2005. We have talked a little bit about this year because one of our movies, 
Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is on the top 10 list for the oh. highest grossing or the biggest domestic box office for 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, number one at the domestic box office was Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. My favorite of the prequel series. It's funny. Yeah. I was like, how are we going to talk about Star Wars in, an, in a Halloween episode about spelunking? I was like, I don't know. How, I don't know how we're going to bring Star Wars into this because we have to bring Star Wars every every time. Mm-hmm. And that's how we did it. Number two, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Mm. Number three, War of the Worlds. Tom Cruise. OK. Yep. Number four. Oh, this was this was a this was the year of Munich as well, which we've done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, that's ex- that's right. Um, yeah. Number four, Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Okay. Number five, Wedding Crashers. Number mm-hmm. six, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Seven, Batman Begins. Eight, Madagascar. Nine, Mister and Mrs. Smith. Number ten was Hitch. Also coming out this year, King Kong, Fantastic Four, which uh, I think was at the time the highest grossing film from a black director. It was. This it was beat but- um, the previous record set by Scary Movie, which we talked about in the previous episode. Yes, sir. Uh, and what else came out this year? The Aviator, March of the Penguins, Sin City, and. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Some good bangers all around. Pretty yeah. good, pretty solid year. You know, you mm-hmm. got your reboots and stuff, but they're well made, you know. Okay. Well, when it came out, I remember it was a big deal. I think it a was? lot of people, I think, I think it was because I had started hearing about this trailer that showed off this weird creature standing behind this woman. And I think that freaked people out. Mm-hmm. And I think it was that thing. It was like, well, we have to talk about it. And the poster. I remember in cinemas, in theaters, the poster was up, which is the women kind of like on the floor uh, positioned in a way that from above replicates a skull. Oh, shit. I was like, what's the deal with this poster? It just looks like a skull. And then I see that it's actually a bunch of women like. Yeah. Posing. It's very ominous. Yeah. And you see that and you're like, well, okay, what what's happening? At least people were talking in Paramount. I'm, I can't say for the whole world, but in Paramount, people were like, yo, did you see that trailer? Like with the night vision and there's that creature behind the woman. And <laughs> it was pretty cool. And this movie was received well by critics. It had an 80, it has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes out of 184 reviews, 76% audience. And it made, it made a good amount of change. It's a British film. So the budget is 3.5 million, which hold on. 3.5 million pounds million pounds exactly so so this movie was made on a budget of 3.5 million pounds which translates to about 5 million us dollars and it made 57 million at the box office that's pretty good Damn, 10 times the the budget yeah that's pretty good pretty pretty good they they made a sequel they greenlit greenlit a sequel sequel Um, did not do very well at all it didn't. A sequel was made on a budget of six point two million, made back only seven million. Mm. So yeah, something must have happened there. Maybe the marketing. It might have been. Uh, maybe they just didn't put enough in the marketing because I didn't. I didn't know that there was a sequel, and I love this movie. I'd love to see the sequel. <laughs> it's probably two thousand nine. Oh, four years after two. Okay, come on, man. Maybe yeah. that has something to do with it. If they had made it two years after, 
Probably. Also but... get got a 55% on the tomato meter. So maybe it wasn't as good either. I don't know. Yeah, which which it's I think it goes to kind of what you were saying cuz real good horror films have something to say relatively mm-hmm. not every horror film you know but good horror really great horror films have like a actual story in it there's a core a theme message whatever real characters that's why you love alien a lot mm-hmm. alien has that uh i believe this movie has that too yeah there's some there's like alien is is also about like these blue collar workers being exploited by a big company which i think is a uh, pretty relevant for for living in america at least or anywhere else around the world absolutely that happens and um, this movie has not that story but it has a real story to the point where the climax of the film arguably has nothing really to do with the creatures the the movie doesn't start off with the creatures i, I don't mm-hmm. want to spoil anything but i mean the creatures are a big important part of it they're trying to survive but there is an emotional core there is there is a story within the group of women that go and it's phenomenal phenomenal i can't talk this movie up i love it have you seen any of of, uh, neil marshall's other films his name sounds familiar i think he directed a few episodes of uh game of thrones uh, yes which he did yes he did i believe that he won no he got a nomination for an emmy for the Watchers on the Wall episode, which I think is the one where the wildlings try to breach the wall. Oh, okay. It is. He also did the Blackwater episode where it's the fight at King's Landing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. When uh, Stannis' navy gets blown up. (laughs) Mm. I'm not too familiar with Neil Marshall. Uh, I have seen Game of Thrones and Blackwater and the Watchers on the Wall are great episodes. He directed mm-hmm. an episode of Hannibal, the TV show, which I love that TV show. Damn fucking tastic. He, but I mostly know him for having directed the Hellboy reboot, the 2019 oh. one. And I haven't seen it, but that film is notorious for being bad. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen Dog Soldiers. I, I remember I watched Amer- an American Werewolf in London and I was on like a, oh, I want to watch other werewolf movies. And I'm like, man, no other werewolf movies are as good as an American werewolf in London. Oh, and is Dog Soldiers not as good? I don't really remember much about it. So I, I, it didn't leave much of an impression on me other than that, that the name sounds familiar. I do know him. He, his latest film that he directed was The Reckoning. Does mm-hmm. the name Charlotte Kirk mean anything to you? No. So... <laughs> Charlotte Kirk, I mean, this isn't, we don't have to get into it, but Charlotte Kirk was a woman, an, an, act, an aspiring actress, who had an affair with, I think, two two head bosses of Warner Brothers. Oh, the CEO, wow. The CEO of, uh, of Warner actually resigned because of the act, because of the affair coming out. Wow. And... I, I don't know how I found... I mean, I read the story on Holly, on The Hollywood Reporter and it was like, CEO gets ousted because of affair with actress and then the actress was starring in a movie by Neil Marshall, The Reckoning. And it's a, it's a horror film about witches and like adultery and stuff. And I was like, huh, seems kind of weirdly appropriate. And I, I kind of want to see it because, <laughs> you know, I like Neil Marshall's horror stuff. I think... This movie has an interesting premise, and I kind of want to see Charlotte Kirk act. I I don't know. There's it's a curiosity more than anything. I just 
that's kind of like why I recently thought about him. The Hellboy and this film as well. Hmm. But outside of that, my I'm not too aware of Neil Marshall. Uh, this movie has so much great horror imagery and some it, it builds on so many horror tropes or not tropes but horror elements of horror that i mm-hmm. think just make it almost perfect because almost you're dealing perfect wow yeah because i mean you're dealing with an unknown place that's full of darkness so that's why you know it's not like the woods you know where you have the giant moon the mm-hmm. artificial moon that's like blue that filmmakers use no this is pitch black and so you have this unknown place full of blackness. It's almost like the, the blackness is looking at you. It's so there. It's claustrophobic. I don't tend to be claustrophobic. But well, you this were movie, on the plane. This movie kind of it. brought it out of me. <laughs> <laughs> There's like one scene in particular where they're, like, they're stuck in like this little little hole thing. And I was just like, fuck me. Oh. It's anxiety inducing. There's actual gore and violence. Um, there's like body horror, there's mutilation. Mm -hmm. So you have those elements, but you have the claustrophobic anxiety inducing part of it. There's suspense, there's dread, right? Dread is like that feeling, feeling of hopelessness. What makes it impactful is that it really comes from the friend group. I I don't want to, okay. Let's just say it has a lot of great horror elements that work perfectly in succinct. Okay. Um, um, I can't say anymore because. All right. Without giving anything away, I guess, is there something that you want to like research? We won't have enough time. We will, we will not have a lot of time to do an extensive research on this movie because we're trying to put this out on Halloween Day. But is there anything that you think you'd want to look more into to see if someone has said something or interviews have been done about it? I think I'd like to find out more about the making of this because. I mean, I'm sure they filmed at studios, but did they ever actually go to caves and stuff? Um, I really like to know what it was like fitting these cameras in tiny places, you know, what it took to light Mm -hmm. them, you know, because I think this film was shot on film. Uh, It was in complete darkness, in complete darkness. How much lighting goes into it? You know, the design, I think I think filming is probably the biggest thing because this the set looks great. I never, watching the film, I didn't think, oh, this is a set built at Pinewood Studios, which I'm sure they filmed at some point. But I'm really curious to see what it was like making this film, you know, under those circumstances. It must, okay. have, been, it must have been difficult. Must have been difficult. I'm sure that crew uh, put their blood, sweat, and tears into that. And frankly, it was nothing but astounding work from them. All right. Uh, where can people watch this movie? I see that it is on amazon prime video as part of their subscription so it doesn't seem like you need to pay an additional fee if you're a sub- prime subscriber uh, it's, it's free also on tubi. on tubi it's on voodoo it's on pluto tv and you can rent it from your usual places youtube google apple for four bucks yes so you want to watch a halloween movie we recommend the descent because we're watching it too yeah. and then you you'll know what we're talking about in the next hour, hour and a half of the podcast episode. Yeah, I right, guys, I know you can watch this movie for free. This is totally worth a four buck rental. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. You'd be better off paying for the movie. Now, what I will say is if you're a fan of horror films, yes, I recommend this film. Uh, if you're not, I would go in with a bit of caution because it's it is dreadful. There is a lot of blood, violence, 
Um, it is scary. It does have jump scares, which I think the film earns. I don't think they're cheap. There's a lot of suspense and a lot of thrills. Uh, thrill thrills. You're not in the horror films. I, I would say steer clear. Just, <laughs> that just that's just me warning you. Okay, like and I don't. George is warning you. And look, I <laughs> m- maybe because look, I'm I'm kind of a bitch when it comes to horror. Like I'm I'm kind of a wuss. I you know mm-hmm. I I didn't watch horror films for a long time and. I really like this one. However, this wasn't the first one I watched. You know, I had seen yeah. The Conjuring, Texas, uh, Hell, or not, not Hellraiser. Um, I'd seen other films and I kind of warmed up to this one. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not into it, totally understand it. I would probably come back to this in a few years when you're ready. That's just okay. my recommendation. And if you're not ready, that's fine. You go and watch, uh, well, Candyman's kind of violent too, huh? Candyman's violent. You, I, I, like I said, The Conjuring was a pretty good horror film. That I know people do say it's scary, but for some reason, it just kind of worked for me. I think there was like a kooky aspect of The Conjuring <laughs> that made it seem like it was uh like walking through a Universal Horror Nights maze. Like it <laughs> but, is kind of so like scary. You feel like you're safe, but like, uh... and it has just enough scares. You know what I mean? Like there are enough close-ups of the creature of the demon but not too many where it becomes overbearing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, Insidious, basically a James Wan, James Wan horror films. He makes really good like horror films that like are, uh, that are good for mainstream audiences, you know? And that's a, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a very good talent. I'm not trying to talk shit about him. Like he, he got me into horror. So for that, I thank him and I recommend those horror films that he made. Absolutely. All right. So we will see you in one minute. There's only one way out of this chamber, and that's down the pipe. Sarah, but she saw someone back So what? I don't think I saw someone. I saw someone. No, you heard something, and you saw what you wanted to see. It's the dark. It plays tricks on people. Who's that? I told you I saw someone! Batteries on our lights will run out. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. We have just come back from watching The Descent from 2005. Directed by Neil Marshall. Austin, you're going to go ahead and start us off because this is your first time watching the film. What'd you think? I thought it was a very, very scary movie. Maybe maybe one very scary. It's very tense. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think they do a really good job of setting the atmosphere because it's hard to shoot in the darkness right absolutely very easy to mess up sometimes things are too dark Mm -hmm. um and in this movie i didn't feel that way i feel like it was appropriately dark uh which is is pretty good considering this is uh the director's second film i think Mm -hmm. yep i might have had some issues with the lighting in his previous movie i think i don't know something about it i was like yeah it's cool but like i didn't really remember it much after that but this one is like damn Mm mm-hmm you improved so much. Hey, man, that's um, what happens when you get a budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Aside, true. A, a decent one. Mm-hmm. So overall impressions of the film? Uh, I thought it was it was good. Okay. There's I like the the drama between the characters and how like it kind of sets up something's not right with this friend group. 
mm-hmm. uh, before they go into the cave. I like that. Okay. I do kind of wish some of the characters uh, there were most of them were like blonde white women, right? Mm-hmm. So at, at, when they start getting their helmets on, I'm like, oh shoot, who's who again? <laughs> okay. Um, but they're different enough so that you don't get them confused mm-hmm. when it's important. Uh, I was kind of worried about that going in. I'm like, oh shoot, uh, that one's Sam and Sarah's the one in the beginning. Uh, this one, I don't know, Beth? Becky? Beth. Beth was the brunette, right? Yes. Who, who was in the opening sequence, but then there's another one. Juno. Who... No, no, Juno was also in the opening sequence. There's another another person. There, it's uh, it's Sarah, Juno, Beth, Rebecca, Sam, and Holly. Rebecca, that's it. Because they call her Becky at some point, and there's or, a Beth, so like, the they, they say Becca. names. Becca! Yeah. Becca! Yeah, I'm like, wait, wait, who? Um, but like, that's that's just like, you, you, you'll learn to, you'll learn who the people are, because things happen to them. That helps you remember who they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, each of them have like a certain characteristic um, that helps you tell them apart. Granted, yeah, I mean, especially at night or in the caves, like white women, most of them blonde. It's like it, it's kind of hard, but you eventually catch on. And even though mm-hmm. you may not totally like know who's who, you kind of have a general sense of like who they're close with or kind of what their shtick is. You know what I mean? Um, yes. And and watching it a second time, I had no problem with it. I think I did have somewhat of an issue with that the first time I saw it. I was like, which white woman is this? But (laughs) uh, watching it a second time, I was like, oh, no, I know all of them. I feel like I'm revisiting friends. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah. Overall positive. It seems like you have some some critiques. Um, Not it's. I don't think that the like I get that it's the the descent because they're going down a cave, but it's also like Sarah's descent into madness. Mm-hmm. So like the name has two meanings. I think that there was I, I'm not really sure how I feel about the ending. Okay. Um, because I did not want her to well, leave well, the wait, cave. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> well, okay, okay. Well, okay, okay. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, I think before we get there. Um, okay. Before we, we talk about that, I think we should give a quick summary. Austin, should I give it a try? Yeah, since you've seen it so many times. The movie begins with Sarah, Juno, and Beth, and they are whitewater rafting, I believe. Uh, yeah. It's Rap- some doing the rapids. Some rapid, some river shit where they're on a raft and they're it's high intensity. Uh, and then you have uh, Sarah's husband. Paul with their daughter Jessica kind of watching over them and you get the impression that these women are like thrill seekers they're adventurous they're athletic they get on shore or they get you know they their trip ends and then uh, Sarah and Paul go with Jessica you get uh, through their conversation you realize that it's Jessica's fifth birthday and Paul looks a little bit distant so Sarah says hey you seem a little distant what's wrong and they get in a car accident and it kills Paul and Jessica the four-year-old soon to be five-year-old little girl uh they die sarah wakes up and she's horrifically traumatized you know beth is there to console her juno is there but juno seems a bit sad for another reason fast forward to a year later and oh and also this takes place in the uk a lot of these women have uk accents by the way so they're in that they're in america now one year later appalachian mountains and juno has set up a trip for their close friend group to go spelunking you know underwater underground hiking diving I, i'm not sure exactly how to describe spelunking 
but they're going to go underground. Yeah. And like exploring a cave. Exactly. And Juno has set up this trip. And so the entire friend group is you have Sarah, the main character, who has suffered the loss of her husband and her daughter. You have Beth, Sarah's best friend. You have Juno, who is like the thrill-seeking one. Like she's the one. She's like the leader of this adventure. Yes, exactly. You have Holly, who is Juno's protege. She's kind of new to the group, so she doesn't really have an established rapport with the the other women. And then you have... she tries. She tries. (laughs) And then you have Rebecca, who's kind of like the teacher, kind of like the uh, mother of the group, kind of the most responsible one, the one that looks out for everyone, kind of signals, hey, guys, this is what's this is what might happen under the cave. We need to stay close. We can't lose our posh or we can't lose our composure. And then you have her sister, Sam, who I think is in a doctorate program. She's going to become a doctor. She's very medically knowledgeable about medical stuff. I think that's I think those are the women. Uh, all women. Yeah. They meet up after a year after the incident and they're all talking. They're catching up. We find out a little bit more about them. And Juno's just acting a little weird. We're not really sure what's up. But uh, we also see that Sarah is off suffering through some post-traumatic st- stress. Um, she's having these gnarly visions of the accident still. Next day comes around. They're going hiking. They're going spelunking. And they go in and it's, you know, really beautiful cave. On the way to the cave, they see like a dead deer. Very ominous. They go down and they start on their journey. Eventually, Sarah starts seeing some stuff, you know, some spookums. But, you know, it's it's so dark in there. You can't really know if you're seeing something or if there's actually anything there. Eventually, Sarah starts freaking out when they're going through this really, really tight, really narrow passageway. And that little passage collapses. And so they're stuck. That's when Juno reveals that they aren't actually at the cave that they were supposed to go. The cave that they were supposed to go to was a very amateurish, um, amateur cave exploration site. Juno wanted yeah. a bit more adventure along with Holly. And Holly, yeah, she Holly's like openly complaining, oh, this is just a, a tourist thing. Like there might as well be handrails at a gift shop. Exactly. Juno admits that she tricked all of them. She lied to them and took them to this cave that hasn't been explored before. And she says that she wanted to explore with them to kind of rekindle their love for adventures and stuff. And she wanted to name the cave after them. But there's a new system. They don't know what's in there. So the women try to keep their composure and they're going through. Sarah keeps seeing this spooky shit, but she keeps telling people. But, you know, they don't believe. She's also hallucinating things uh, on the way to, to this trip. Like she, she sees, she hears her daughter laugh. And there's one part where like this pole comes crashing through a window and hits her through the head, which is how her husband died in the accident. She's definitely, she's definitely still processing the death or the accident and the death of her family. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of unreliable, unreliability there as they're going through the caves. There's a bit more of tension that forms between a group. Sarah's becoming a little bit more confrontational with Juno saying, why did you leave so soon? Like, I needed my best friends there and you left, right? They lose during the collapse of the pathway. They lose their rope back. So they lose valuable resources. And it gets to the point where they get to a chasm and they have to cross over. Rebecca gets injured. She gets a huge cut on her arm. After they cross the chasm, they think that they're nearing or Holly thinks that they're nearing air, but she's mistaken. It's phosphorus on the rock. She falls down this hole and she breaks her leg. What's it called when a bone pops out like um, a compound fracture? I think it is. Yeah, like a bone sticking. Her bone is sticking out of her leg. Yeah, it looks gnarly. Oh, yeah. They, they, and Sam, being the medical expert that she is, puts it back in. They gave her a splint, but now they have to fucking drag Holly everywhere. Thanks, Holly. 
idiot. Well, I, th- I think Holly is, she's the one that's like, oh, this is for babies. This is for babies. But I think that there's a bit of uh, fear and in- insecurity in her that she overcompensates by talking big. So I think she might have been the one that was the most afraid and the most desperate to leave the cave, which is why she was running around trying, thinking, oh, I see daylight. I've got to get out of here. Well, we'll actually get to that because that's a good point. That's a very good point that you bring up that I think the film does really well. Um, So now they have to deal with Holly and Sarah begins to freak out because she sees a creature, right? And she keeps telling everyone. Everyone kind of loses their composure and they start yelling. Rebecca, the motherly one of the group, starts yelling. She kind of loses her composure, finally. And that's when they're attacked by the first creature. And these creatures look like Nosferatu-like vampires. Like they're humans Mm -hmm. that are... I believe uh, the filmmaker calls them crawlers yes they're crawlers and they're basically humans but very pale and i mean they i'm trying to think of another movie that uses like that design oh there's kind of, some like vampire movie where they look like that oh they're like it's like, like nosferatu-esque if you guys aren't familiar google nosferatu or just google just google the descendant crawlers a bunch of pictures will come up almost looks like uh general grievous but if he was made of flesh and not robot <laughs> oh you know what they look like they look like pale orcs but if pale orcs, orcs yeah pale orcs but if they weren't like if orcs orcs are more civilized right like they could talk and they these are mm-hmm. animalistic or the pale man from uh pan's labyrinth oh yeah yes yeah 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 the pale man from pan's labyrinth that's a good description so one of them so one of them starts attacking the group and it puts up a fight and it kills holly it it like bites into her jugular and she is dead they um and the women like scatter. Juno actually stays and fights. She has a pickaxe and she gets, I think she kills one or two of them. As the she women kills s- two of them. Okay. As the women start separating, Beth chases Sarah. Uh, Sam and Rebecca go with each other. But Beth loses track of Sarah. So she goes back to where they were attacked. As she's approach- approaching Juno, Juno is obviously very scared. She uses her quick reflexes and she t- takes the pick and stick it, sticks it through Beth's throat. Thinking that Beth was one of the crawlers. She accidentally hurts Beth, takes the pick out, and leaves Beth to die. Even though Beth isn't dead, Beth is very much alive, and she's bleeding out. But Juno decides to leave her. So all the women are scattered. Rebecca and Sam, uh, they're going, they're like being chased by a few crawlers. They manage to hide, conceal themselves. The crawlers are blind, so they can't really see. Sarah. Sarah was running, and then she kind of like falls and like hits her head. So she's oh. like separated from everybody else. Yeah. She's, she has uh, Holly's camera though. So you can see the she uses it for the infrared, the night vision mode. Oh, and you see the crawlers like ch- uh, chow down on Holly's body. Yeah. They're, and one of them almost catches her too. Oh, yeah. that was fucking <laughs> creepy. Oh, and I know what happens afterwards. Sarah goes goes um, goes down the cave. She falls into this giant pool of blood of what I think is blood. Yeah. Uh, she goes down this pool of blood. She's attacked by a crawler, kills it. She, <laughs> There's another crawler that I guess... It's like pers- a baby? <laughs> no, the, the adult. The one that puts his hand on her head. Oh, but there's a baby one too. And then the the only crawler with hair... Is a female. The, yeah, the only crawler that has hair is probably like the mother of the baby crawler she just killed. She gets into a fight with that one. And then the other one comes around and then she like pretends to be dead or pretends to be part of the rock. Mm-hmm. And then it puts its claw on her head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then she kills it. Sarah, Sarah's like becoming a boss. Like she is leveling up very quickly. 
she is killed. She also finds, but I think before that, she finds Beth's uh, body. Oh, yeah, she does. Because that point, that's by the, oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I went over that. Or uh, I skipped over that. But after she sees Holly's body being devoured, she goes back, she finds Beth. And Beth says, I don't trust Juno. She did this to me and she left me to die. And then she, she gives her Beth's or Juno's necklace that she has. Uh, and it says the words that her husband would say to, to Sarah, like love the day or something. Love each day. Love each which, day. Which Sarah interprets as words that he would say to her, but by Paul giving Juno a necklace with those words kind of insinuates that he was cheating on her with Juno, which makes sense. At the very beginning of the film, Juno leaves Sarah early because Sarah's Juno is also distraught by the death of Paul. And there seems to be something happening between Juno and Paul, but they don't obviously say anything about it. It's not yeah, very clear. There's just like looks that I think glances. are done very well. Yeah, very short glances, but you could tell, okay, something's there. After that, that's when Sarah falls into a pool, kills the kills the crawlers. Eventually, Sam, Rebecca, and Juno meet up, and Juno finds a way out. Sam starts getting scared, though, and she's like crawling. She's like climbing the mountain, but she gets chased by a crawler. Crawler like cuts her in the throat. She stabs the crawler, but now she's dead. Her body hanging over this chasm as well. Then Rebecca gets eaten horribly. Juno falls into this body of water. Sarah, where there's a crawler, Sarah saves her. And Juno says, I know how we, everyone else is dead. Oh, Sarah asks her, like, what happened to Sam? It's like, she's dead. What happened to Beth? She's like, she didn't make it. It's like, are you sure? Because Sarah knows Beth made it. Mm -hmm. Like, for a while, she knows what happened. She knows that Juno was fucking her man. So Juno's like, I know how to get, I know how to... I know how to go I, I get out of this cave. We have to follow these arrows. The arrows were set up by explorers decades ago, almost 100 years ago. It's kind of insinuated. None of that is really explained in detail, but it doesn't really have to be. Eventually, it gets to the point where Sarah and Juno run into three crawlers. And there's a big fight. The women kill the crawlers. But there's a moment where Sarah sees Juno and her descent is complete. She takes that pickaxe and, draw, and drives it straight into Juno's knee or like her leg. <laughs> After she shows her the necklace, letting letting um, Juno know why Beth is doing this or why Hell Sarah is doing yeah, this. Yeah, I was like, bitch. <laughs> oh, it's so satisfying. So good. She shows it her was the satisfying for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. OK. Uh, it's not satisfying for me. No, I no. By that point, I was so angry at Juno. I still felt bad, but I was like, nah, you, you've done too many shit, too much shit. You've done too much shit. Nah. Fuck you, homie. So she, so Sarah takes a ice pick, drives it straight into Juno's leg and runs away, leaving Juno to fight the remaining crawlers that are surrounding her, which were like four of them, I think. Sarah falls down. There's, the hmm? there's so many crawlers that are around Juno that like, there's no way she's going to make it. But it doesn't show her death. Mm -hmm. It doesn't show her, but she's surrounded by four or five. And I mean, they just fought three between both Sarah and Juno and they had a hard time with it. So... And, and Juno had two working legs then. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had eight li eight limbs between them. Yeah. Now there's only three. But um, eventually Sarah finds uh, finds a route out. She escapes the tunnel, starts running straight for the car, gets in the car, starts driving. She kind of pulls over. You know, she's in shock. Opens the window, throws up as this like giant truck's driving by. And then she like, you know, puts her head back in the car and then she sees a like a vision of Juno of like a dead Juno in the car. And Sarah just like looks into the camera and screams. And that's the end of the film. That's the end of the U.S. version. 
The UK mm-hmm. version has an extra minute on top of that where Sarah, after she screams from seeing Juno in the car or like a vision of Juno, Sarah wakes up in the cave and she sees her daughter, Jessica, with like a bir- birthday cake, you know, because it was her birthday when she was going to when she when she died or it was going to be her birthday. And the, car- the, mo- the movie just ends with like a wide shot of Sarah still in the caves being hunted by the crawlers. And that's the UK version. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, fantastic. I love this film. 90 minutes this movie goes this movie breezes through but god damn do you i feel everything that the film's trying to do oh yeah it's very very tense uh and it doesn't like i said earlier it's not like visually confusing like you know what you're supposed to feel i think until the end i think george and i have different uh feelings about the end yeah because uh i i did not want her to kill juno i didn't i think juno has made some awful mistakes Mm mm-hmm but I don't think she deserves to die for them. <laughs> I mean, there is a there is a feeling of catharsis when you see Juno because Juno has done a lot wrong. Now, look in yes. real in real life, if you know Austin were to be Juno and I'm Sarah, and Austin were to screw over me, screw me over like that, would I want him to die? Probably not. But this is a the movie. Cave. The cave it like makes her mad. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing about this movie is. This movie has a lot going for it in terms of it's not just about them fighting these creatures. It's about them fighting their almost uh, animalistic tendencies and those instincts yeah. that they formed and trying to remain composed during this whole trip. And the cave breaks them down. I mean, we it does that with ev- every one of them. You know, at one point they all yeah. snap. And for I, there's one moment when Sam and, and uh, Sam and Rebecca are hiding from the crawlers and they can hear Juno who's calling their names but by this point they figured out that the creatures uh are blind and only can hunt by sound so they're staying quiet and then when juno cries out their names the creatures leave and then sam says better her than me at least they're not on my head and sam is the humanitarian one she's yeah she's a fucking doctor or soon to be doctor (laughs) and i mean that's her that's one of the first signs that she really or like that's kind of in the middle when she really loses it is when she gets killed, right? When she's kind of hanging over the chasm and, you know, even Rebecca was like, sweetie, come, come to me. Like, come, don't, you, you know, you're not going to make it. And Sarah's just flipping out. She's just like, <gasps> you know, she, she's going, she's going, she's going mad. And all these women do that, but it's not because, you know, they're weak or they're stupid or anything. These are composed people. Like even Juno and Holly, who are kind of adrenaline junkies are kind of have their shit together. Maybe Holly a little less. But, like, even Juno gives Holly some shit for, like, hey, we do this right. Don't fuck around, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't be reckless. You know, this is, we still got to be on our A game. So, these women yeah. are very, like, you get the impression that they have done this plenty of times and they are not stupid. And that's what I love this movie. It really breaks them down to the point where, shit, if I was in the cave, I'd probably go as crazy as them. Like, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like, when people watch horror movies, you're like, oh, these kids are stupid. I would never do that. Meanwhile, we live through this pandemic or still living through this pandemic and people are doing some really stupid shit. And it's like, you can't say that in a horror movie anymore. You keep people- m- <laughs> motherfucker. I agree. One hundred percent snaps to you, Austin. Yes, that's actually that's one of the things that like really bugs me about people talking about criticizing horror films like, well, the characters always do something stupid. It's like, look, number one, we're here to see a horror film. People are going to die. 
Characters cannot make the best decisions at all times. Characters in regular films don't always make the best decisions. Yeah, you in your real life don't make the best decisions. <laughs> movies are about special circumstances. People are like, that's not realistic. Movies are about special circumstances. Sometimes you need to give the film leeway, right, to do what it needs to do, especially in a horror film. I'm not going to see Halloween to see people make the right decisions. I'm there to see people <laughs> massacred. I want limbs and <laughs> muscle and sinew and gore. That's why I'm going to see a Halloween film. Oh, my film. God. Yeah. I mean, for real. And if some motherfuckers got to do some stupid shit, okay, fine. Fair enough. But that being said... I, th I think the, the characters should behave like the characters that, that they are. Yes. Not do things for plot progression, which I think some horror movies do. And that's Absolutely. why it can be frustrating. But in this movie, everybody acts the way that they were set up in the beginning of the movie. Yes. And it's not that they immediately snap, right? We know that Sarah's already on edge and that she's suffering through PTSD. So when she starts kind of losing it, when they're in that really tight space, that crawl space, it makes sense. And she gets stuck. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the way it's filmed, you would be too. because it's super claustrophobic. I mean, this movie made me really claustrophobic and I was on an airplane when I first saw it. I mean, yeah, airplanes aren't big, but they're not crawl space small. And even I felt it a little bit and I don't get claustrophobic. This movie has a way of getting under your skin with things with scenes like that. And it's believable when the characters really start snapping, right? Rebecca, mm -hmm. again, the, the person who's kind of like the most mature, right? I mean, they're all mature, but Rebecca is the most mature one and she goes through hell I mean when when they're crossing that chasm and the rope like cuts through her hand and she's got this huge gash and it's bleeding like a motherfucker you know she still keeps her composure it's not until you know they're really lost where they can't find the next cave where even Rebecca I don't know if you remember hear her saying this but it's like oh fuck it hello hello if you can hear us say something you know like she starts yelling oh, yeah and yeah, because uh, um, what's her name? Uh, Sarah says that she saw somebody, and they're like, "There's no way you saw somebody." But then they're they're just so desperate. They're like, "Okay, well, if you did see somebody, maybe they'll hear us." Yeah. This is not good, guys. Can we get out of here? Which way? Come on. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? There's no breeze. It could be any one of these tunnels. Take your pick. Oh, oh fuck it. And Rebecca, the most mature one, starts, she's the first one to snap. And at that point for me, I'm like, oh, they're fucked. If the mom of the group is losing her shit, then y'all are <laughs> fucked. I'm sorry. And it, it's believable when these characters start snapping. And that's why when they make kind of hard, tropey decisions, you know, like they all scatter. You believe yeah. it. They're in a dark the sisters, place. The sisters stay together. Yeah. Uh, Beth tries to help, help Sarah. Sarah. Sarah, who's Beth going through Sarah, Sarah who's are... going through PTSD, is just yeah. not even paying attention. It makes sense why she's doing it. Juno's mm -hmm. trying to stay behind, protect Holly, or try to keep her corpse from she's, being eaten. She's trying the hardest to keep the group together. Yeah. Nobody tries harder to keep them together than Juno. Yeah. Okay. That, that's a good point for Juno. Because there's, there's a there's a part where she finds the way out, but she's 
she's okay i know how to get out so now i'm gonna yell for my friends even though these creatures work off of uh echolocation mm-hmm. i'm gonna scream and look for my friends and get them all out of here oops i accidentally killed beth but it was a mistake and if i tell anybody they might not trust me <laughs> but I am going to just push through and get everybody out of this cave, you know? <laughs> okay, fair enough. That Everything you said is very true. I didn't feel that way watching the movie a second time, but you're, <laughs> you're very, you, you, you are correct. Um, yeah, when these, like, you, you're right. Juno is kind of the one who keeps herself kind of the most composed. I mean, she still oh, yeah. freaks she out. Kills, she kills the most crawlers. I think so. Yeah, she kills two around Holly's body. She kills the other two when she's with Sarah, so that's four. I know Sarah kills five, so Juno probably kills, like, eight? She kills seven? so many of them that she's no longer afraid of them. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, like, hunting them. Yeah. But it, it's this movie kind of addresses those issues of classic horror tropes. Like, why would the character not run away and get in the car? It's like, well, in the circumstances that these characters are going through, they are trying to make the best decisions, but the darkness the claustrophobia the lack of fresh air the lack of water the lack of food they the list lack of... all the things that are going to happen to you if you get stuck in the cave <laughs> oh my god Re- and Re- guess that. who's the one that says that rebecca rebecca rebecca's the one you could suffer from hallucinations uh oh fuck what's the, what's everything that she says it's yeah, a it's gnarly like, list i love that i love when horror movies do that like they have to get you set up to explore this you know unknown location and we need to remind the audience what the stakes are. What, what might happen to these people? So then you have that like huge expos- expository uh, list of all things that can happen to you in the cave. But it makes sense that it's coming from Rebecca, the one who's mm-hmm. literally like, she's the one that is on top of it. Yes, I left the flight plan. It says in the manual that there are three ways to get out of this cave. If you don't stop and take a break, this can happen. Like, yeah, it's exposition. But okay, number one, I know some motherfuckers are going to watch this movie and be like... Well, I don't know, man. If I was in those caves, I would have been fine. You know, I I don't know what the big deal is. <laughs> well, you have an expert saying, oh, really? Well, you could go through this and this and this and this and this and this and that and that in the caves. So, number one, shut the fuck up. Number two, these women are professional. Like, I love that Rebecca says this one line. Like, I'm not fucking Tomb Raider. But clearly, these <laughs> women are... <laughs> Clearly, these women are very, very, like, they're knowledgeable about this stuff. Hell, a year Juno before, wants to be. Or, yeah. Uh, but these women, like, are... Juno wants to be Tomb Raider. But the, all, all the women can hold their own. They're tough. Mm. And, I mean, fuck, that scene with... Uh, you see how tough they are. Especially Rebecca. Because there's the point where they're trying to cross the chasm. And they have to set up, like, a line. Some rope. It, it's almost the, like like you have to use your upper body strength. To like get yourself across maybe like 20 feet and all you have to support yourself is your, your two hands your two arms not and even that to... she's really on one arm because she needs her oh, other yeah. arm to set up the actual i don't know what it is but like rope system that they need to use to get across right it's mm-hmm. like a it's like a gurney or something right but they need to set up the system so rebecca yeah. is the one that volunteers and she sets it up and holy shit was that scene intense yeah, I, I think at this point there haven't been any monsters yet. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> the you know when the first monster con- the contact with monster comes with the group like forty minutes into the movie, right? Homie, fifty six minutes, <laughs> four minutes shy of an hour. The first like that's the first time the creature 
really introduces itself to the group when it's it's on the uh, night vision on the the camera. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's the first time we actually the group actually sees it. Up to this point, Sarah has been kind of seeing them slightly. You know, a shadow kind of went off in the distance. She'll hear something, but it's kind of just been alluded to. It hasn't fully been addressed. But now, at fifty-six minutes in, the creature's like, "Hi, welcome to my cave, <laughs> MTV crib, yo. Here are it- my friends. Here are my friends. Why are you here? <laughs> you look delicious. I'm gonna just take that neck and that arm while we're at it." And her whole entire rib cage. Oh, man. Poor Holly. Holly was annoying, but goddamn, dude. Ooh. Yeah. But that, the, no the, one deserves to die like that. No, that was bad. But just, uh, oh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say uh, the creatures come in 56 minutes into the movie. That's an hour. And yet <laughs> the previous hour was not boring. In fact, it was kind of scary and spooky and suspenseful. And it had really well implemented jump scares. The, the the scene like when they're in the crawl space is super suspenseful because you hear that you see that one root ro- that one rock move right above them and even Beth yeah. is like fuck go 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 <laughs> and when they're crossing the chasm just you feel like they're one of them's gonna fall or you feel mm-hmm. like something bad's gonna happen yeah they don't and have the resources like, because, they're exhausted yeah because they didn't have the resources now Juno has to do the same like maneuver that beth did and pull the the things loose so that they can keep them they don't have enough equipment yeah and juno volunteers to okay i'm gonna i'm gonna you know kind of monkey swing monkey bars my way over there and pick up the equipment she falls and that's when rebecca trying to grab on trying to hold on to the rope cuts her from preventing juno to fall and ooh, you're just like it's intense and the creature had nothing to do with that nothing the creatures weren't even there i don't think so i mean it's funny because this movie is kind of filmed in complete darkness you get the impression that there's always a creature staring at them because just there's so much darkness you can't see past Mm -hmm. six feet in front of you without a light source so i always imagined that the creatures were in the background just watching them yeah they're like what are they doing where are they going well they're just like you know they they're not they don't get too many visitors so they're like huh these don't move like deer they only go after them when they're they're already hurt, yeah. You know, which is what predators do. They don't go for the healthy ones. They go for the weak ones. They go for the the sick ones. And that's why they kill Holly first. She can't yeah. run. It's this movie's intense and it's very gross. Like you know, like injuries. I mean, right after that, Holly falls and breaks her leg, and like it's that bone is out. And there's the scene yeah. of them having to push it back in, and you see it and. Oh, man. And that's even before the creatures have started coming in. Once the creatures are in, the creatures are in. They don't... Because normally what would happen is like, oh, you get the first introduction. It's kind of like with Predator. You get the first introduction yeah. and then there's like a, a few minutes where the creature, where the Predator isn't there. And then there's like another encounter. And then there's like a few minutes of silence. And then there's another encounter. No, this movie is like, like... You set us up. <laughs> exactly. This movie's like... Oh, so the creatures want you to know they're here. They are not leaving. Once the creatures are there, they are either spying on you, looking for you, eating you, or attacking you. Those are your options. And holy shit. It, woo! This movie, going back to that, this movie is paced so well. Because it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like you've seen this movie for an hour. Yeah. It just feels like, oh, I've been here for a minute. I don't know how long, but shit. Creatures haven't been here, but... This movie's spooky, it's scary, it's violent. Oh, shit. Yeah. V- very, very 
very good. And then it gets amazing when the creatures come in. And mm-hmm. I, it was funny because the director was saying like, yeah, a lot of films kind of show their hand too soon. You know, they don't really build on that suspense and those thrills. And this movie does that and it does it really well. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you're... you get the feeling that there's something else going on in this group because of that opening sequence where like Juno's given some really weird looks and the husband is given some really weird looks too. Uh, so it's like, hmm, what was that about? And you're wondering that for the entire time. And then I think when the first time Sarah is like freaking out after the, the crawl space collapses, she says... I lost a lot in that crash, too. Yeah. And they don't outright say it, you know, because Juno's not going to admit that. Oh, yeah, your husband, the one that died. Yeah, I was banging him. I hope I hope you're OK with it. No. <laughs> and but you see this kind of kind of these confrontations be- or these little squabbles between them where like right before Sarah crosses the chasm, uh, she's like, was this case for me or was it for you? And Juno was like, what, what does that mean? It's like, it means what it means, bro. She just kind of like zips away. Yeah, she says. But there's there's a clear tension between them. There's there's, there's a part where she says, uh, "I was gonna ma- name it after you," and she's like, "Are you sure? Or are you gonna name it after yourself?" Ooh. I didn't like that that piece of dialogue. I thought it was a little too like high school. Well, but the, <laughs> the the intent is that I feel like I get it. You know, mm-hmm. like you're trying to force everybody to come together. To get your friend group back, even though you feel guilty because you kind of violated that friend group by cheating on your friend's husband. Cheating is a husband's at fault, too. I don't think we we get enough into how bad that husband was. No, 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 we don't. He is kind. He is an asshole. But that kind of I do like that, that we don't go into it because it's not about him. It's not about him. It's about the the violation of of the friendship. Yes. Like he, he, he was not good. But so was she. She she wasn't good. And what I like is under normal circumstances, right? Austin cheats on me with someone else, you know, in real life. (laughs) What? You know, yeah. You know, you you ask someone else to come in a podcast, um, not invite me. You know, realistically, as... I'm pretty sure you did that. I didn't. No such thing. Yes, you did. I Go back and listen to our Labyrinth episode. I didn't. What happened there? No, that was a bet (laughs) that I lost. I failed that you. you didn't tell me about. I told you. you li- I told you later after it already happened. <laughs> Pish posh. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, look, if Austin were to cheat on me, then I would say, OK, let's sit down. <laughs> My feelings are hurt. You know, maybe a slap will come in every now and then, but nothing. You know, I wouldn't want Austin dead, but that's how we'd handle it above the ground up on the surface, you know, um, with our composure or maybe a little less composure, but I'm, you know, I'm not straight up going to grab an ice pick and drive in, into Austin's leg, but because the, the cave, the darkness, it's lowered their defenses. They've already killed so many things already. And again, these women have never, I'm pretty sure these women have never killed anything. Like I guess maybe hunting (laughs) an animal, but I don't get the impression that they're killers. So killing is a new feeling for them. And they've just done a lot of it. And they've seen their (laughs) friends not killed, massacred. Again, Sarah was recording Holly being eaten by like multiple creatures. And they like chowed down into like her rib cage and stuff. So you're, these women are experiencing a lot of horror, a lot of violence in a very short amount of time after having been in this cave system for hours. They're two miles underneath the surface, right? They're in claustrophobic. Hell, they can't even breathe properly because there's no fucking air really going through. So 
Yeah, you hear that your friend cheated, like, your husband cheated on you with this woman. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter if you try to rationalize it or not. I'm not going to hear it. You're dead. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And that's what I like. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't, well, you know, it doesn't make, it doesn't have them make up at the end. It's like, no, it just doesn't matter. At this point in the story, you're as good as it's, dead. Yeah. The way that Beth tells Sarah what happened to like she says, oh, Juno did it. It was a mistake, but she left me for dead. She doesn't say that. She no. makes it sound like Juno killed her on purpose. Yeah. And that she can't be trusted because yeah. look, look at this necklace that I found. It has your husband's words on it. Mm-hmm. Can't be trusted. Like, is Juno going to leave her in the cave? <laughs> like, that's not. But, you know, at that point, you're just reacting off of emotion. You know, they're pushed. They're put in this like survival state of mind and that's all they care about they are not far off from the creatures at the very end they're not and you know what the creatures they're just living there you know they they went into their territory yes (laughs) the creatures are perfectly fine eating deer and they don't even like try to attack the people until like all right they're coming way too close to our feeding grounds we have our babies here we can't have this you get the impression that there's like a colony yeah, like there's 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 a there's probably triple digits maybe of of crawlers. It's funny. It reminds me of the the black ice sketch from Key and Peele. <laughs> it's like the uh, the road so with the rock. ice or um, black ice wasn't built. Oh fuck! What is it? What's the? You just throw the clip. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put the clip. For the record, black ice never asked to be out here. No, it did not. It's a product of the environment. Ooh, hallelujah! In fact, black ice didn't land on the road. The road landed on black ice. Ooh, amen! Um, it's very you're absolutely right. It's an animalistic thing. If you go, even in the animal above ground, if you go into their territory, mama bear's gonna fight your ass. Like there's there's no way. I mean, fucking uh, house dogs work like that. This, you know, that's mm-hmm. why they have guard dogs. It's the same thing. So you can't even really be mad at the creatures. You're angry because you've grown to like the six women and you don't want to see them die. But, I mean, they're on their turf. Plus, Juno fucked up by lying and taking them to this cave that had not been explored. So mm-hmm. can't really blame the crawlers. But it, but by the end, yeah, when Sarah attacks Juno, it's like, it doesn't matter. I don't care. It makes All- sense for her character. Yes, like- and- and but, I and that's why it was cathartic because it's like in the moment you the movie at least put me in that place where I really sympathize with their situation what they were going through I'm like shit you know you you fucked up girl I'm sorry you gonna get this ice pick I'm sorry there's there's no way around <laughs> it. I mean you did this you did this but I mean, you know she didn't though like she didn't put the creatures there that killed everybody she took them to a cave that she was not aware of granted she may not have known but I mean. She did yeah, like who them. would know there's vampires in this cave? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? And that kind of goes to a larger point that I like about this movie is that it doesn't worry too much about actual like plotting. I would say like this movie has beats. Characters arrive at the cave. Characters go through crawl space. Crawl space collapses, so now they need to find another exit. It has that. But something that I like about the movie is that it doesn't explicitly say or it doesn't choose to explain all of this. Like, Mm -hmm. when Sarah sees Juno after having seen Beth die and the necklace, you get where Sarah's coming from. 
Yeah, you know it's coming. And and Juno doesn't even try to explain. Look, look, your your husband. I, I broke up with my boyfriend and Paul was really nice and he was there and you know it just happened. I had some vino, you know, Sex in the City was on, so like I I don't know, I was kind of like horny, I guess. Or no, she doesn't go into that. It's just she doesn't even try to justify why she, why she did it. She doesn't explain how Paul and that started. It's never said. All you could do is imply, and I like that. Another thing that the film does is that throughout the film, you kind of see remnants of other people being in that system. For example, mm-hmm. when they're passing through the chasm, they find that someone had actually put a had left a piece of equipment there, right? Uh, Rebecca uses that to help them get across. But after they, you know, kind of carry Juno or they like, you know, they save Juno from falling, they pull it back up, they look at the device and they're like, this thing is, an, is this thing is, people don't use this nowadays. This thing is over a hundred years old. You kind of start forming your own, like, kind of what happened, right? I mean, yeah, it, it, we know that people over a hundred years were at that system, right? Let's go, let's go. What does it mean? It means we're not the first. It's a pit on, right? Well, if the cave is down here before, surely there's a better chance of us getting out. This equipment's at least a hundred years old. I also think it's interesting how Beth sees this, but she doesn't tell it, relay that information to the group. She's just like, oh, it's nothing. And then she puts her, the rope, uh, what do you call them? The carabiner or whatever? Through well, no, that existing hook? Well, at the at the moment. She tells them later on. She tells them. Well, then they, yeah, they, after, they, yeah, after uh, Juno falls because that piece comes out man i can't blame rebecca that woman had that woman was like in her last bit of strength like she, yeah that, exactly that she looked tough it's, but they don't yeah mm-hmm. she doesn't stop to explain whoa what is this i don't recognize this you know she just kind of goes along with it hoping that it helps out it doesn't um beth sees some drawings right on like kind of caveman paintings where they kind of insinuate that oh there has to be an exit there are arrows towards the end of the film they see arrows on the wall that are pointing them towards the exit now you could say oh that that's lazy plotting oh that's lazy writing you have to have the characters well kind of maybe you could interpret it that way but i interpreted that people have been through these systems the first group decided to stay there or couldn't find their way out and decided to just stay there or try to live as much whoever Whoever they were never made it out because the cave was never named. Exactly. But then you had other travelers. I mean, you see you see a lot of human remains, a lot of bones, oh, yeah. a ton of bones. So you get the impression that people have been there and maybe someone escaped. But going back to the deer, I mean, these creatures are not opposed to going outside. So you kind of have to infer all these things. And I really like that. It doesn't stop the plot to... It was a huge exposition dump of, well, I these cave paintings are remind me from the mosaic period of the Da Vinci era where <laughs> they use their fingertips. It's soaking them in blood is a ritual to the Mesopotamian gods. No, is this that. Prometheus? Some, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> exactly. That Austin, thank you. You proved yeah, yes. This movie does not do that. <laughs> this movie is concerned about our heroes, our heroines, and them getting the fuck out of this cave. And I love that. Don't waste my time. No filler. No, I don't know what to say in this. No yeah, filler. I think it's, it's uh, what I really like about the creatures is that they work 
based off of sound, right? Which yes. is kind of similar to the um, A Quiet Place monsters. Mm-hmm. They they work on sound. Yeah. And there's a trauma that happens to this group. There's a trauma that happens to that family. And they never really talk about it. They never really process it. They just kind of go on like nothing ever happened. Yes. And that's ultimately what what kills them in the end. Uh, so you can see that 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 a theme in that moment when Beth is climbing over the chasm where she doesn't say, hey, someone's been here before. And sure enough, that's the piece that falls that gets her hands all fucked up and almost and Juno almost dies. So I like I like that. And I like how uh, when the, the truth finally is revealed, it's too late. And Sarah becomes a murderer yep. and Juno is presumably dead. So I guess she's a presumed murderer. Yep. <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. I mean, even when they meet up with Juno, when they get to the cabin, it's not there's no moment where her and where Sarah and Juno sit down and they talk about it. They don't talk about the incident until they're inside the cave where Juno like apologizes for leaving early and Sarah kind of snaps back at her. It's like, well, you, she says something like, well, shit, like now you're telling me this yeah. a year later. And she, but she never, she never tells her about uh, what happened with her husband, about the affair. She just kind of acts like it didn't happen. And she thinks that by going on this adventure, she's going to fix that somehow. It's like, she's looking for uh, absolved, absolve absolution absolution from the guilt that she feels that's why she's so desperate to find sarah to make sure she gets out of there otherwise that guilt will never leave her yeah and i mean even bath in the beginning when they're driving to the cabin she's like you know we don't have to do this and she's like yeah i know but juno wants to do it it's like there's already like a suppression of feelings that are happening Mm -hmm. and it's constantly there this sense of suppressing one's feelings and what they're thinking until it manifests as Sarah killing Juno, or essentially killing Juno. I mean, she cripples her, basically, and the, Im- yeah. the implication is Juno dies. She cripples dies. her in a cave full of vampires. Yes. I mean, <laughs> come on. There, There's no other way you could read that. So I love that. I love this movie yeah. because of that, because you could kind of, you could infer what's happening. There's enough there. There's actual, like, themes. And again, the climax of the film, you know, it's very much that scene where they're fighting the... They're fighting the crawlers at the end. It's Sarah and Juno fighting the crawlers. They're outnumbered. They're fighting them. The fight's very intense, but that's not really the high point of the climax. It's when Sarah decides to kill Juno. Yeah. At at that point, the creatures aren't even what's keeping them in that cave because they're so good at killing them. (laughs) Yeah. And, and they could, and Sarah could have run away. They like, there's a moment where they aren't, there aren't crawlers around. Like, it's not like they killed the three and then like five of them are like, chasing after them they're looking for them but like there's a there's a long pause where sarah shows juno the necklace and juno is just speechless but they could have run away they could have and they would have found their way you know juno said we just got to follow the arrows and eventually sarah found her way out so Mm -hmm. you know and this this movie has deals a lot about trauma and i mean sarah at the very end it's a dreadful ending because she thinks she survived she's out but all her friends are dead and now the death of juno is going to be on her conscious haunting her yeah it's not a happy ending i mean she gets out but it it is a dark ending i really didn't want her to get out though i didn't didn't want her to get out after she attacks Juno. so you wanted the uk version 
I wanted the UK version. Because I, I think with the, the UK version, it implies that all of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. Mm. I... I like her escaping it, it. It's that immediate, you know, I, I don't mind bittersweet endings, but I do like it in this because I just, I felt so much for the characters and it's such a trip on what they go through that I'm like, I just want Sarah to get out, but it doesn't, it doesn't even matter really if she gets out or not, mm-hmm. because she's going to be haunted. If she's in the cave, well, she's going to be hunted by the creatures. If she's, in, if she gets out, she's going to be hunted by uh, June's ghost. You know, mm-hmm. essentially, it's like, and her dead friends, and the yeah. fact that her husband cheated on her, and that her her five year old daughter is gone, dead. I mean, there's is there even a reason to live after all that? Probably not. Not for her. No, not for her. So this movie definitely hits you hard. I mean, re- regardless of what ending you watch. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, do you want to talk about the sequel? I read the sequel. I didn't. Does, uh, I I don't really want to see it after reading what happens in it. I I don't either. Basically, in the sequel, Sarah survives. Right, it goes with the U.S. version of the ending, and then the cops are like, "What happened to your friends? Like, we need to go back in this cave." And they go back in the cave, and Juno's still alive. Um, and then they try to escape, but everybody dies because the there's some old man that's in on it, I guess, and he like throws the last person back in the cave with the monsters it's it, it reads very cliche to me uh yeah reading the, 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 the 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 summary it I, feels like it loses the nuance some of yeah. the inferences that you have to make that emo that emotional core which is will these women survive or which women will survive really because you know one some of them are going to die but it's like i want these women to get out i want them to live it seems like the second one is like, wow, there's a mystery and we have to solve it. And someone's in on it. And Juno's alive. It, there's a lot more plot in it. And again, plot isn't inherently a bad thing. But, you know, look, we, we already know what these creatures look like, what they are, what they do. We're familiar with them. So they're just yeah. inherently a little less scary. You're... Yeah, I, it, this movie was never meant to have a sequel. But because of its success, they made a sequel. Yeah, well, um, I mean, and... I could I could see a sequel to this movie being made. Uh, it has nothing to do with the cave, though. It's literally Sarah in therapy and just trying oh, yeah. to just overcome this. Like the movie the psychological has... horror kind of. Yeah, thing. like this movie has there are no crawlers that are actually there, but she just imagines them every time she turns off the lights. She sees the corpses of the ghosts of her friends, Juno, Paul. I mean, this movie's gonna be this woman's gonna be haunted for the rest of her life. That's a sequel. Uh, and even then, yeah. that that sounds like some French, some French ass independent like, cinema, some artsy shit. A uh, black swan, maybe. <laughs> exactly. But no, uh, I can't see a sequel where they go back into the cave. Yeah, that just that just seems dumb. And to be fair, the the director didn't even want to do a sequel to begin with. They got someone else. Yeah, and I think the film's editor directed the sequel. Yeah, and I mean, since we're gonna talk about, it, I mean, we might as well just compare. While we're at it, while we're talking about inferior versions of this movie, have you heard of The Cave, Austin? The Cave? No. Yeah. So this movie, so you know how Hollywood every once in a while likes to have two movies with the same premise released nearby? You had White House Down with Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx. Then you had Olympus Has Fallen with Aaron Eckhart, Morgan Freeman, Gerald Butler. Hollywood does this all the time. Like two movies about the same thing. Will just release at the same time. Another example is Jobs and Steve Jobs, the one with 
Michael Fassbender and the other one with Ashton Kutcher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Hollywood does this all the time. This was another instance of this happening. So while this movie was being was getting prepped to shoot, there was already a Hollywood version called The Cave that was being filmed. Uh, it says here, production of The Descent completed with it competed with a big budget American film that had a similar premise, The Cave. Basically, instead of humanoids, it's giant flies. Oh. Descent was originally scheduled to be released in the United Kingdom by November 2005 or 2006. But The Cave began filming six months before its competitor. So the filmmakers of The Descent decided to release their film before The Cave. So they fast-tracked production to be completed by the end of February 2005. Basically, The Descent beat The Cave to the, to the punch. So you have two, two films, similar premises, very different approaches. And this is kind of how I relate it back to The Descent 2. The Cave and The Descent, I haven't, The Descent 2, I haven't seen them. I've seen clips of it on YouTube. I've seen the trailers, reading about them. It seems like they kind of misunderstood the point of The Descent. Was, you know, if you have a good set of characters and very, very relatable goals, that's really what you're reliant on. And if you really push the premise that you have to its absolute limits, you're going to have something that's very clever and very unique, right? Because the cave does the same thing that the descendant, the descent two does. Oh, you know, we have some elaborate backstory and we have to have a reason for these guys to go in. Um, and then there are betrayals and then there's infections and then there's, you know, it's all this and that. And it's like, do you really need all that? I mean, I'm not opposed to it, but if you don't need it, it's just fluff, you know, like don't, don't do in all this the, extra. in the descent. It feels like everything is, is like vital, except for maybe like a line or two. That's just like, oh, why do you have to say that? No, no, I but, agree. But it, well, it seems like Neil Marshall understood what to do with the premise. He's like, look, mm -hmm. these women are in a cave and caves can be fucking scary. So what am I going to do? I'm going to do everything I can to push the claustrophobia, the hallucination, the dehydration, the the sense of loss, the sense of directionless. You can't tell what's up and down with left and right. You don't know what the right way is. He pushed all of that in the film. And he's like, if you're making a movie in a cave, that's what you need to push. But the cave is worried about plot twists and all this other stuff. The Descent 2 is worried about, you know, it's worried about the same thing. It's like, no, you're you're focusing on the wrong thing. It's about survival. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if we're talking about the filmmaking behind it, even the Descent does a better job of it, of cinematically showing that. I mean, the Descent, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. This movie's pitch black, right? Like in terms of lighting. They don't have giant studio set lights that are filming. They did film in Pinewood, though, which is where they, they shot Aliens. They did. Yeah. They built 21 cave sets. 21 cave Ew. sets. And it wasn't enough for the entire film. So they had to get clever and use some of the same sets multiple times, but just film it from different angles, light it differently. I would have never known. <laughs> I would have never known either. There's no <laughs> moment where I was like, oh, I've seen this shit before. You cheap fuckers. No. I love that. It's ingenious. It's clever. I mean, again, we mentioned it before. The Descent cost basically $4 million in UK pounds. The Cave was shot on $30 million. Do you want to know how Damn. much The Cave made? $30 million? $33 million. <laughs> 33.3. While The Descent was made on a budget of $4 million US dollars, made back $57 million. Damn. And 
if you watch clips from the cave, that is a Hollywood cave set. There are giant <laughs> lights that not dark, not mysterious. You could see far off into the distance. The characters are lit three point lighting style. Man, that <laughs> handsome actor has that rim light on his head perfect and he looks handsome and stuff uh the yeah. descent isn't worried about that the descent is like yeah we're going... I, th- I think sometimes your your budget kind of forces you to be creative sometimes yes. well absolutely they use even the director neil marshall said look man we had to get creative with lighting and we had to light the characters with items that they had in real life that meant you know the the lights from their head from their headlights you know from the the lights headlamps headlamps yeah we had to light these characters with headlamps. We had to strategically block them so they could light each other. They have flares. Mm-hmm. So a lot of scenes are lit with this red light. But it's coming from the flare. They have these like uh break break lights. What what are they called? Like these um these uh like light sticks. The ones that you crack. Oh, the glow sticks? Glow sticks. They had glow sticks. I think they're sticks. called glow sticks, but uh, I, they're not like the kind you do take to raves. They're like yeah. the kind you, you take to Spelunky. Exactly. This is a giant green one. You know, this movie is making very bold decisions. They're saying we're going to light the characters with these real practical lights. You're not going to see everything. But that's the point. The characters don't see anything. Why are we going to light it with all these giant 5Ks and HMIs and stuff? It doesn't look realistic. It's not scary. But when you see a crawler attacking someone that shit is terrifying it's in pitch black you can't really articulate what's happening but that's the point the characters can't and it has those real pitch blacks you know where it's just like i can't see five five feet ahead of me that's the point and they got really creative they also drew the line they also balanced it where yeah you can you have a hard time seeing but you could see everything you know yeah the, the you sound. see what's in what's important yeah the, the sound design does a lot of the heavy work too because you hear the steps Who's making it? The sounds that the women make, the steps that they make, are very different than what the crawlers make. The yeah. way the crawlers breathe, very different than how the women breathe. And that actually guides you a lot of the way through. So you're using lighting and sound at the same time to kind of make up for the darkness. You're able to understand oh, yeah. what's happening, but you're doing it intuitively. Almost like the creatures and the women have to in this scenario. It's great filmmaking great oh, yeah. filmmaking it's very very well done and i have to give the cinematographer credit and the director the cinematographer is sam mccurdy fucking champ man for reals mm-hmm. and it's incredible this movie has a lot of color in it in terms of yeah. the lighting sources because i think that you don't really appreciate that being like a, a casual movie goer you know you don't really think about how things are lit and how they're supposed to sound and everything but if you ever tried to like light a student film and you're like hmm, why doesn't my movie look like david fincher's movie you know it's it's a uh, not easy you know and it, it's not easy and with the restriction that these filmmakers had probably even harder and they managed a the way to pull it off though using the red lights as the the flares as light sources you know using the green from the glow sticks kind of heightens the mood around that scene you know where the crawlers like crawling right on top of them um the infrared uh uh the infrared camera when that's when we see the the creature for the first time is terrifying (laughs) it's fucking scary and it works really brilliant the cave lacks that and it sounds like the descent 2 lacks that as well it's they're not making the bold choices that the first film made 
I haven't seen The Descent 2, but like story-wise, I feel like it's not as interesting as the first one. Mm-hmm. You know, because like there should be tension between Juno and Sarah when they find each other, but it seems like they get over that real quick, which is like, well, if they got over it real quick this time, why didn't they do that last time? You know, it, it, I feel like this what happens in the second one kind of makes the first one, I don't know, I, it, it kind of changes changes it a little bit not for the better yeah um i mean i was watching some of the clips from from the film and like the descent two's lit kind of like the cave like it's oh. like a studio exec came in and it's like all right that first one was too dark i couldn't see shit so get the lights lights hit the lights <laughs> and it's like i think you're missing the point boss didn't it also have like a huge budget too the descent two yeah the Descent 2 had a budget of 6.2 million. So two oh, more million. So, mm-hmm. Still small, but... That is pretty small still. But it, but when you compare it to the first one and how ingenious that first one is and how they kind of worked around that budget, it's incredible. It's incredible. You know, even even that shot of Sam's body kind of spinning around on that rope when Sarah goes oh, to yeah. her, it's just ominous. You know, it's like, a, it's like pitch black and there's that one light that's just turning as... Her body's like dangling on that piece of rope. And it's just like, that is really off-putting. It's like she was alive like five seconds ago. Now she's just like swinging around. And that light just heightens that death just a little bit more. And it's like, you know what? That is, that is a cinema. <laughs> no, it's And I just couldn't. I thought it was really funny that the cave and the descent had like similar premises. And I was like, huh. yeah. Even the titles, just vastly, the, the descent the cave, is vastly. The, the the cave is just like oh, they're I guess they're in a cave. The descent is like well, they're descending down this cave, but they're also descending into madness. It's like exactly. Double entendre. The, the cave is a location that doesn't give enough. The descent, it's an action, uh, both both in the physical world and mentally, and that's yeah. what the movie and that Love you it. get that sense from that title, and it's like all right. These two are not the same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Have you heard of the Dark Pictures anthology? Oh, we talk of the video games now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. I've heard of it. Uh, I've heard about their new one. I was a huge fan of Until Dawn, which Mm -hmm. has Rami Malek in it before his Oscar as Mm -hmm. Hayden Panettiere in it. I think maybe after Return. Yeah, way after Remember the Titans. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they it's like a horror movie, right? Where you play as the characters and you make decisions based off of who those characters well, it's are. A, it's a horror vi- video game that you could play on PlayStation, yes. but it resembles a movie. Yes. Uh, and they've come out with more games since then with, you know, using actors as the characters and you make decisions. Uh, but most recently, they came out with this one called House of Ashes, mm-hmm. where <laughs> so you've heard about this. I have, yeah. But, but for our viewers, explain it to him because I thought this, I wanted to buy this one because it reminded um, me of The Descent. Yeah, so Leanna likes to watch um, this YouTuber, Gab, Gab Smolders and Jack, Jacksepticeye. They, they play games sometimes. And she was watching this one, uh, House of Ashes, and I'm like, huh, they're going down a cave? There's vampires in this cave? This, this sounds really familiar. <laughs> <laughs> So like it's like set in the Iraq War, and like this guy's trying to find weapons of mass destruction, but his software finds like this huge cave system, and they go down this cave along with a few uh, Iraqi soldiers, 
uh, and they're just kind of trying to survive this cave with these vampires. And they find like, oh, people were here before and we got to work together to survive. And the way that Jack Sektakai plays it, he kills so many of the characters. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it's so funny. What's cool is, you know, this movie has definitely inspired a lot of that kind of so survival. much. There's and there's even a shot where one of the characters comes out of a pool of blood. You know, you know who did that as well? Apocalypse Now. Well, Apocalypse Now, but another video game was the Tomb Raider reboot of 2013, where Lara falls into a pool of blood and the oh way she God. comes out of it is the exact same way as Sarah does. So you have these three games or these two games that were inspired by the descent. It's incredible. The imagery in this I, movie is fantastic. Oh yeah. And I feel like the descent kind of borrowed that scene from apocalypse now, which yes. kind of has a protagonist also, or maybe the protagonist kind of going into madness as well. Oh, he absolutely is. Yes. A hundred percent. That's a clear inspiration. Um, but it's the what I like about it. It's a, an homage to that shot, but it adds its own little spin. It's like, well, instead of a swamp, yeah. how about we make it a pool of blood? And how about yeah. uh, how about of uh, what's his name? Uh, not Charlie Sheen. Um, um, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. We make it a woman, a British woman. And um, she has lost it even more than Martin Sheen did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She. She's she's she. She's lost it. <laughs> That's actually yeah. something we didn't we didn't talk about the the fact that this had an almost all female cast uh, outside mm -hmm. of some of the crawlers who are men yeah um but mm, I can't name another movie that had that many female actors Annihilation Shh, oh, no, okay never mind yeah no you but got yeah me. that there's like a twenty year gap between those movies or that like is 15. true yeah um, but, in both yeah. films the women are competent. They're not idiots. Mm -hmm. They don't do stupid shit. They don't do. They're not even really sexualized. I think Natalie Portman has like a sex scene in Annihilation, which is sexual, but it doesn't like 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 that's the it's point a of that scene. Thing. It's a it's a character story thing. Like she's some you know she's supposed to sleep with that guy, so that's inherently sexual. But this movie doesn't do that. I mean, it no, no point, nothing. There's no moment where it's like nope. It's, I feel like Annihilation does borrow a lot from. The descent maybe not borrows but like there's they feel very similar in how these people go into this weird territory and they change along the way becoming more desperate and primal well it's places that haven't been that really haven't been explored as much by right? explored by anyone that survived <laughs> exactly but no you're right there is a metamorphosis that the characters go through in the descent it's emotional in the annihilation, it's it's mental, emotional, and it's also physical. I mean, mm -hmm. um, Tessa Thompson's character. I mean, not to spoil the film, um, but there is a physical change that she goes through. Even the creatures. Remember the, the crocodile, yeah. alligator. Like this, they're by existing in that world, they're changing physically. Yeah, genetically. Wow, actually, you are totally right. They sh these movies share a lot in common. I need to rewatch Annihilation, but um, yeah, all female cast, and I mean the. It says that the filmmakers um, decided to cast that Marshall decided to cast only women going against the original plan of having a mixed cast. That's another bold choice. You know what I mean? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking about bold choices, you know, the lighting, um, kind of the, the 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 use of lighting, the sound, how brutal this movie is, how dark this movie is and casting an all female cast. None of them are like big standout actors. Some of them have been in TV movies, TV shows. But there's no like Angelina Jolie equivalent. Mm -hmm. That's a ballsy choice, but I think it paid off really well. 
it it's really, also probably couldn't afford well, uh, they, Angelina Jolie. I mean, a very good point. True. But I think it kind of helps it because these women are competent. They could handle themselves. But, you know, uh, I can't imagine Angelina Jolie being in this movie. Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like they're already. Being well, she's a Tomb Raider. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> she's. A I know tomb what you mean. Yeah. Really bold choice. I really like that. I think the movie is better for having an all-female cast. I can't... Oh, the yeah. Cave has... Uh, the Cave and The Descent, too, both have a mixed cast. You know, they have a bit uh, They have a bit more of diversity in race and in gender because they have men. And they're just... It just lacks some of the punch that the first one had. I'm not saying that men inherently made those films worse, but there is, like a lack of boldness or there's a lack of maybe chemistry or there's because the women in this movie have good great chemistry they do mm-hmm. i think you you believe the rapport between them you understand that they each have some sort of relationship with each other that's different from other people i buy it all and this movie does it really well so shout out to shout out for that as well um and uh, outside of annihilation i can't really think of another horror film that has that many women in it that are like, like the main principal characters. They don't treat it with this amount of nuance, I think. Like there's Sorority Row and uh, the Black Christmas remake. But I, I feel like this one is the best one out of the three. <laughs> well, like even like a like I think in some in most horror films, women kind of fall into, you know, those those tropes, you know, those stereotypes. Yeah. You've got the you've got the one that sleeps around a lot. You got the hoe, basically. Then you've got the nerd. You've got uh, uh, the the chaste one, you know, the virgin. I mean, mm-hmm. even uh, what what is it? Cabin in the Woods makes fun of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. This movie has none of that. This movie is unconcerned about that. All these women are professional. They're thrill seekers. They are teachers. They are doctors, students. They are um, they are survivalists. I think I love that. I think it's yeah. great. I'm not saying you can't have a movie that plays on tropes. I I like it. I, I like it. Like I like it in Cabin in the Woods, and I like it in some older classic ones. I'm not saying you have to kind of constantly do that, but there definitely seems like an initiative to not adhere to all these horror rules. Yeah, um, it seems like we want to try something different. We want to be bold, and that's how I would describe this movie as being bold in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Ambitious, ambitious. Thank you for like your second feature movie. That's that's crazy. for a budget of four million bucks. This movie does not look four million. No. It doesn't behave like a four million dollar film. Yeah. Hell, you have a film that was made on thirty million, and that movie is not. It doesn't seem like it's able to capture even an ounce of the inspiration and boldness that this movie has. I. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is kind of a, a weird thing, but remember how you were talking about the uh, marketing campaign? Have you done any research on the marketing campaign? I are you going to talk about the UK? Uh, there's that, but there's something okay. else. Go um, for it. Um, so that poster, remember the poster? Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, so the poster with like a light beaming on Sarah. Um, and they're, they're kind of like positioned like a skull. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, uh-huh. That's actually a reference to a famous, uh, Salvador Dali. It's the one that made you see the movie basically. Yeah. Cause people were talking about that poster. Mm-hmm. Um, inspired by this famous Salvador Dali photo where this photographer Felipe 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 Halt uh Felipe Halsman. Halsman. Yeah, Felipe Halsman takes takes a photo of Salvador Dali where these women they're all naked 
but they kind of like position their bodies around to the shape of a skull. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called voluptuous death in English. Translated, uh, tra- the original uh, is, is it French? I don't know what it is. Voluptas mors. I think it's French because the mors voluptas mors, which means the voluptuous death. And there's like a sense of eroticism to it because they're all naked and thinking French. Uh, uh, is it orgasm or something is similar to the word death which is like okay uh, you take this famous um, picture of these women because your movie is a horror movie and has all women in it so like there's an obvious connection there mm-hmm. right but there's something else something that's like what how oh okay because the the photographer Felipe Halsman he was accused of murder ah okay did you hear about this? I read a little bit about it. Because he and his father went on a hiking trip and his father was murdered and robbed and left for dead. And the, the people accused the son of doing it. So he was in jail for, for some time before they finally let him go. I think is is pretty interesting. Considering, like the, that, the, considering connection. the connection between the movie. Yeah, because the movie, they go hiking, I guess, in a cave kind of the same thing right no no, yeah yeah i mean they're out exploring um in a natural setting and you know in real life one person died in this fictional story five people die one of them dies at the hand or two two people die at the hands of a close friend yeah and a lot of the trial it seems like they it seems like there was some anti-semitic sentiment and they just wanted to put him in jail because he was jewish Mm mm-hmm a lot of people don't think that he did it, but Albert Einstein. Um, yeah, that's for him. Isn't that random? Like Albert yeah. Einstein's somehow connected to the Descent's marketing poster. It's weird, but with Salvador Dali and this and this whole art movement, I'm not surprised. And yeah. I have to say, the poster is still a banger, dude. Like it's so good. It's very good. This movie, maybe not as explicitly as like the omen or brandon lee scenario but it's still pretty ominous it's a little scary how some real life events are kind of in a weird way tied to this film but yeah um there are four things that i don't think have aged well in this movie okay two story things and two technical things i always forgive technical because i mean low budget time that it was made you know it is what it is the two the two story things that I didn't like that stood out to me was there's a scene where Juno falls into the water. The water's green and there's like a crawler that looks dead and then they get back up as she touches <laughs> it. It's like, Wah! I was like, yeah. okay, that was stupid. That was that was bad. You guys should have not bad story wise or bad like lighting wise. It was no, no, no. It was just a cheap jump scare. That oh, OK, it, 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 I mean, the jump scares in this movie are pretty effective. Like yeah, they make like... a lot of sense. <laughs> Like the scene where Sarah is standing by the window and the pipe crushes through it, like, mm. you know, showing that the car accident is still scaring her. Like there's still trauma yeah. there. That's clever. That's an appropriate like jump that. scare. Appropriate. I loved it, especially Agreed. how it breaks through the mirror. I was like, appropriate. Mm-hmm. Great time. Like, get the audience tense. You're foreboding that awful things are still going to come. So I like that. That jump scare with the crawler under the water. I was like, oh, OK, you that was a cheap scare. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to do that. Um, it just, uh, they need to pad her kill count. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't like it. Um, that part didn't age 
well, but you know, it's one thing. It doesn't really hurt the film. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was a little cheesy was where Sarah finds out about Juno after she's killed one of the crawlers and she's like, no! Oh. That that reminded me of uh, Anakin Darth Skywalker Vader. vibes. Yeah, <laughs> no. There's our Star Wars reference. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> every episode. God damn it! But I didn't like that. I was like, okay, that's some cheesy shit. Like you could have just mm. had her looking ominously at the camera, and it would have hit a lot harder. But really, those are the only two things. Everything else, I'm I'm fine with. The two technical things, the shot where Juno's being surrounded by the creatures. Yeah, they they just look terrible. It that was a green like screen PlayStation. Shot. Yeah, that was a very terrible shot. However, I'm not going to hold it against them. Yeah, it I don't know why. Kill the moment. It doesn't because you you know you kind of regardless of how you feel, you understand what's about to happen. So it's it's a heavy moment, but it's also like why man, you guys up to this point you had fantastic CGI, like CGI I really couldn't notice. And makeup and prosthetics and and, and the one of the final shots with these creatures and you had to CGI that shit. What the fuck, guys? Like, what happened? Come on, I you you were so close. But yeah, I was like, okay, that shot has an it has an age well, but you know, it's it's a shot, you know, um, and it's a it's a low budget film. So hey, one percent that this film doesn't look. 110 percent i'm i'm gonna let it slide the other thing that hasn't aged well which really disappointed me which i didn't expect it to was the title screen the screen with the title on it right i don't remember it's like the most 2000 windows xp (laughs) kind of intro like there's a there's like a little light orb passing through it and as it passes through it it illuminates the descent but it looks mm. so cheap. I was like, guys, no, no. It's, <laughs> I don't even remember, dude. I watched it and I was like, oh, God, this doesn't look good. Mm. It, it's some straight 2000 uh, Windows 2000 XP shit. I was like, this is some <laughs> shit that someone made on Windows Media Player. Windows Movie Maker? Yeah, Windows Movie Maker. I was like, like old uh, iMovie or... Yes, very not even Final Cut iMovie. iMovie, I was like, oh, come on, guys, your first and your last impression of the film <laughs> weren't the best. Mm. Um, but everything else is so solid. I'm like, fuck it, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, I didn't like the the line where she's like, "Are you were you gonna name it after me or name it after or use your name?" I was like, I I get it. That's you're doing too much there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us infer a little bit. All you had to say was, are you? Or like, after... You could have just left that first line. You could have left that first line and then she like, you know, kind of walks away. But outside Mm. of that, I don't really think this movie has aged horribly. I think you could still enjoy this movie 20 years from now and it'll be great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, So we want to get to quotes? Let's get to quotes. There's... There's like one thing that I wanted to talk about. Oh, no, go, go very, for very end. Did you notice the, the truck that passes by when she's like passed out uh-huh. by the road? You know, does it remind you of anything? Final Destination? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How yeah. is it that a, collectively, I feel like a lot of people feel this way. Collectively, mm-hmm. we're all scared of driving behind one of those cars because yeah, of that there's trailer. A, there's like a, a big semi truck that has a bunch of lumber in the back. You know, like in Final Destination 2, the, the one that like it, the chain breaks loose and the big tree like goes 
through the cop's uh, windshield and you see like the blood explode out the back. Uh, I guess the way that uh, the husband dies in the beginning, the husband and child die, it kind of is similar to that because it's a car accident and these poles go through. And this movie came out in 2005, which is two years after Final Destination 2. So I'm not, I don't know if it was like intentional to have that truck pass by at the end to kind of remind us that she can't really escape death. She can't really escape what just happened. And I feel like that ties in more with the UK ending where she's still in the cave. Ooh, I think uh, we have uh, the Conspiracy Austin back. <laughs> Welcome back, sir. We miss you since Willy Wonka. Oh, I've I've been here. You've been, okay. I you know what? I really like that. I really like that because that's basically what the theme of Final Destination is. They can't escape death. Yeah, it ties in really well with the UK ending. Oh, I, I like feel like this. it's a it's a little tip of the hat, you know? Yeah, to, a little homage. Because all horror movies are, you know, they borrow and maybe steal from the ones before, but you gotta like build and make something new after words uh no i i like that i like that little theory i like it it makes sense you tied it in really well and you know what i'm pretty sure it was intentional because there are a lot of good decisions in this movie so i will say approved all right uh so let's get to our quotes yeah um what's your quote awesome it's it's when uh sarah or juno just has just seen sarah killed by the the crawler and then Rebecca's killed by the other crawler so she jumps down into the water and then she gets pulled up by Sarah mm-hmm. and she's this is the first time she's seen Sarah since they split off towards the I guess 30 minutes before yeah when the creature attacks Sarah's covered in blood covered completely. in blood and the first thing Juno says is what happened to you <laughs> <laughs> which is like she knows that there's something like changed in sarah psychologically you know like not just she's she's not saying like oh you you've been injured you look you look like you're hurt she's like what happened to you <laughs> just yeah. from the look in her eyes uh, and, uh, and oh that's something we didn't talk about but the actresses did a great job especially sarah uh, shauna mcdonald the who plays mm-hmm. sarah once she finds once she sees beth dead and she finds out about juno completely different person so when she says that line what happened to you girl you have no idea it's it's a it's a very good quote very good quote all right my turn yes so my quote comes in during the chasm when they're crossing the chasm um researching this film i you know i looked into the descent too i looked into the cave and you know I, i didn't watch those films i haven't given them a chance i think i should um, just to be fair, but you know, they just don't look like they're made with the same care and attention and love. Um, it seems that way. I might be wrong, but under the impression that they are not, I mean, the cave has a rotten tomato score of 12%. <laughs> the descent's not that much better. The descent two is not that much better compared to the 86 that this one has. Um, mm-hmm. so that being said, uh, I related it to, this was my favorite quote when I first saw this movie. It just kind of stuck out with me and it kind of has like a double meaning now after learning about those other films. It's when Rebecca crosses or when Sam crosses the chasm 
right? She she uses the, the rope to kind of cross over. Rebecca grabs her sister's arm and she's like, yeah, now you make it look easy. And, <laughs> and Sam's like, yeah, well, you make it look hard because Rebecca was using all of her will to not fall. And yeah. I was just like, the way I related to this film, it's like, man, you make it look really easy. And as I stare at the Descent 2 and the cave, I'm like, yeah, you guys make it look hard. <laughs> this make this movie makes it look effortlessly. Like filmmaking is a is this movie's great. Movie should always be this good. The other ones are like, what happened? That's kind of how I relate it. It so. used to be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's how I relate. That's my quote. Courtesy of Rebecca, one of my favorite characters. All right. I, you know what? My quote came from my favorite character. Um, Juno? Yeah. Boy, you know how I feel about Juno. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, you made me soften on her a little bit more because you are right. She does not leave until Sarah is found. It, um, it could probably be was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, but, you know, so was cheating on uh, or having an affair with her husband. <laughs> and taking them to the wrong cave system. Yeah, a lot yeah, of mistakes. Yeah. A lot mistakes, of mistakes were made. Okay, Austin. So we both love this movie. Mm-hmm. Or I love this movie. Seems like you like it. You're positive. Oh, I do. I do love it. Okay. Uh, um, what's our next film? Our next film. Oh my god, it's a big one. It's a big one. You're gonna I think we're rem- still doing it. You um, have to remind it, me. On the 14th of November, we are covering the very first entry in the Harry Potter film franchise, <gasps> The Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, I forgot. I really did forget. I'm like, oh, shit, what were we doing? Wow. Damn, there's a lot to revisit there. Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking about JK. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. my God. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. I can't mm-hmm. wait to talk about this. Me either. And like, there's, it's so funny how, how much that movie has like affected the books even have affected so many groups of people. And now because of the you know, the controversy around her, I feel like there's not going to be another generation of kids on Harry Potter, you know? I don't know. That's a good That's a good question because, I mean, I don't think Warner Brothers is going to let the Harry Potter franchise go. But, I mean, you, you do have people that are affected by what J.K. said. Ah, it's, it's Like, it's Roald Dahl was, you know, he was an anti-Semite, so people kind of came around on him. They're like, I'm not letting my kids read, read Roald Dahl books. But they have been for the past sixty years. You I know, mean, Doctor Will- Seuss, same thing. Like Willy people- Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Those mm-hmm. that, those movies are huge. We're getting another one, a prequel with Timothy Chalamet. We won't yeah. let things go from the past, and uh, Doctor Seuss is another one. Yeah, I mean, um, these are just a few authors that have said and done ta- yeah. terrible things. That like we're recent, re- recently, I feel like people are like trying not to expose their kids to that media, right? Mm-hmm. But Harry Potter was in in the nine like mid nineties, late nineties, early two thousands. Harry Potter? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean the books came out in the I think late nineties, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people are like already turned off because of the things that JK Rowling has said, I feel like there's not gonna be another generation of kids who are into Harry Potter. I don't know. I think people love that franchise too much to let it go. Yeah. I think Star. I think Harry Potter is kind of like a modern Star Wars, like for kids. 
I don't know if they'll be able to let it go. That's a good question. Well, like we're the adults that that read it, you know, when they were when they were kids, yeah. might not be able to let it go. But are they going to share their books with their kids? We'll see, man. We're, we're going to only time will tell. Only time will tell. But we're definitely going to get into all this, as well as just the story and the special mm-hmm. effects and the visual effects and how far we've come, especially, you know, like how how I mean, far those actors came. Oh yeah, kids. the movie. The, the movie is celebrating its 20th anniversary. Big, big deal. That's why we're doing it. And it's going to be almost 10 years since the last one came out. Because I think the last one came out in 2011 or 2012. So mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we, there's a lot of reference. So that's going to be a huge episode. I cannot wait. Me either. Awesome. All right. We will see you in two weeks. And if we haven't said it already, we wish you a very spooky Halloween. Spooky, spooky, scary time. Spooky, spooky, scary time. <laughs>